It's great to be in the house of the Lord with you today. Father, today we thank you for the privilege that we have of gathering in your house. We thank you for the good things that you're going to do. I thank you that you are going to stir our hearts to see souls saved and lives changed. And so today as we look to your word, I pray that your word would come alive to us. I pray that we would be able to know that we've been with Jesus. Each person who walks out this doors, may they know they've encountered the risen Lord. We also pray, Father, that those who walk out this doors would leave with a fire in their heart, with a burning desire in their heart to see the kingdom of God advanced and to see their families and their community changed for the glory of God. And we'll thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. We're continuing our series entitled, Under One Roof. This week we'll talk about making room for more people to come into the family. I believe that it's important for you and I to know how God feels about his house and his family. And I believe we gain an understanding of that from the parable of the great banquet. Reading to you from Luke chapter 14, verse 16. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Everybody say many. Many. He invited many guests. At that time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go to see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought... Five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so you know I can't come. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Say, there's still room. There's still room. room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. There's multiple layers to this parable, but we see from this parable that the master of the house prepared a great banquet. And the Bible says that he invited many guests. He did not want to have a small group. He wasn't looking for a, just a small group, a tiny group. He wasn't looking for it to be a real tight, intimate thing that we would think of and, and keep other people out. He invited a large group of people. He invited many. The first group of the guests who were invited, rejected the invitation to come. And they made up many excuses to reject his invitation. And they stayed away. When his servant responded to him what had happened, the master was frustrated and he was angry. So he told them to go quickly. The idea of them going quickly conveys to us the urgency of his desire. They were to go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town And they were to bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. 
The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame represent individuals who are often forgotten and overlooked. They weren't the first people that come to their mind when you thought of having a party. It was often those people who it's easy to overlook them. It's easy to forget about them. They're not necessarily getting invited to all of the parties. But he says, go into the streets and the alleys and find the people who are forgotten and who are overlooked. The servant told him that they had already done that, but there was still room for more to come. So he told them to expand their reach. I want you to understand this. This principle that the scripture is teaching is something that applies to us today. That the master wanted his servants. They've gone out and they found the people who are forgotten, the people who are overlooked, the people who are neglected. And he said, now I want you to expand your reach and reach out even further than what you've reached out before. They were not only to go to the streets and the alleys near them, they were to go further out to the roads and the country lanes. And the Bible says, they use this word, to compel them to come in. To compel someone is a very forceful word. It carries with it the idea of twisting someone's arm. In this parable, the master did not want his servants to be passive concerning his invitation. Do you see that? When he tells his servant, you go out into the country lanes and to the forgotten places and compel them. He's not saying, hey, just throw out an invite card and if somebody finds it and picks it up, Uh, Okay, you and I cannot be passive about our master's desires. Sometimes people, well, I'll offend somebody. Well, can I be honest with you? Spending eternity in hell is going to offend them too. Spending eternity away from God is going to offend somebody. And we've become so politically correct, we've lost our salt. Many people, their lights are growing very dim. The world needs to hear about Jesus. And so some of you, you're worried about offending. Maybe we ought to be worried about offending our master. Because according to the scripture, he tells them, okay, you've already done that. People have rejected. Now I want you to go out again. And literally the idea with it is to compel us to, it really has this idea of by force. My dad compelled me to come in. (laughs) I appreciate that. One of the things about parents, if it's your house, compel your kids. I don't understand parents letting a three-year-old, oh, let Billy decide what he wants to do. Billy doesn't get to decide. As for me and my house, I wish some men of God would stand up. I wish some men of God would stand up from the time your children are young and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know where you think you live, but when you live in my house, we serve the Lord. That's what we do. Now, the thing is, if you live like a hypocrite, All week, you don't have the authority to do that. But if you live in holiness and righteousness, and if you obey the word of God, you can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can say, follow me as I follow Christ. But if you're living carnal and they see the hypocrisy, they're not going to follow you. They're going to be turned away from you. So the idea, the main point here is this, that God wants his house to be full. He was so passionate about it that he in essence said, do what you have to do because I want my house to be full. The master's desire in this parable is for a full house. God wants a big family. He wants a big, full house. 
years ago, it was common to have large families. Many, you know, a lot of times older people, they come from a family of 8, 10, 12. You hear people, 14 kids, you're like, my Lord, how do they do it? You don't see that as much today. When my wife and I were having children, we made a decision to limit the size of our family. When I was a kid, sometimes my mom might say to me, if I was doing something wrong, that God would get me back for it. You know what I mean? Well, you say this. And and so I kind of had this fear of having kids. I knew how I was, and I was afraid that God would get me back. You know what I mean? And so, I, you know, we had two kids, and I was like, okay, Lori, we were like, okay. We don't want to push our luck. If I had known they had turned out as nice as they were, I'd have probably had a couple more. You know, for me, there were several concerns. One of those concerns was, how can I responsibly provide for my family financially? Kids are not, have two, and the next two are free, right? Have two, next two, no cost. That's not the way it works. It costs more than what I had. Secondly, I reason, given my responsibilities and the demands upon my time, can I give additional children the time and energy they need and they deserve? We would say that how many children you have is a personal choice. We're not talking about aborting children who are in the womb, but we would say that you have that right as a person to say how many children you would like to have in your family. And I believe it's okay to plan that. But God does not want us to put limitations on his family. He wants his house to be full. And can I say this to you? That some of the things that concerned me as a young dad of, okay, how am I going to provide for these kids? How can I take care of them? The bill's already been paid for his house. The price has already been paid. It's what's been required has already been fulfilled by Jesus upon the cross. God wants his house to be full. And I believe that the culture of lighthouse needs to change So that we have a problem with an empty seat. I want you to view empty seats as a problem to God. You may say, well, I like the empty seat. Because that lets me spread out. I like the empty seat because I can put my pocketbook there. I can put my Bible in the next empty seat. And I can put my coat there. And nobody's up on top of me. Well, it's a problem for God. Because that represents a place where someone who is far from him could be brought near. Every empty seat represents a place where someone, I'm going to tell you something, aren't there enough lost people out in our community? Just the people on your list would fill up every single seat that we have in this place. You and I, we need to change the culture where it's like, well, I like to be comfortable. You know, there were people in lifeboats that when the Titanic went down, that there would have been room for other people to survive, but they were worried about themselves. What stinking cowards? That's what they were. They were cowards. They were cowards. They were selfish. They were self-centered. You say, well, we preserve ourselves. We look out for ourselves. That's not the heart of God for his people. God's heart for his people is that you say, you know what, mom, move over a little bit because there's room. There's somebody else who God wants to bring into his family. There's somebody else whose life needs to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not too much 
for me to be a little squished once in a while. It's not too much for me to be inconvenienced for someone to spend eternity with Jesus. That eternal soul is more important than a spot for your purse. It's a waste when we have an empty seat. For God wants all of mankind to turn from their sins and enter into the safety of his family. The second thing, God wants us to be fruitful and increase in numbers. From the very beginning at creation, God laid out for Adam and Eve what he wanted. And he wanted them to be fruitful and to increase. Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. We bear the image of God on us. We're created in his image. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Unfortunately, there are many lovely people who think it's okay to take a passive approach to the growth of God's family. Now, we ought to just sit there for a minute because I might be talking to some of you. Look to the person next to you and say, he might be talking to you. Not sure, but maybe. There's a lot of wonderful church people You've been saved for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you've lost your burden for the lost. You've forgotten where God brought you from. Sometimes people become self-righteous and they say, well, just as long as I'm not, and you have your list of things that you don't do anymore. Thank God he brought us out. We were slaves. That's how we used to live. Thank God he brought us out. But God saved you for much more than having your list of things that you don't do anymore. Many of the people who live like that spend much of their time just trying not to do the old things that they used to do. That's what many of them do. They spend much of their time just saying, I know I shouldn't, and have their list. Those people would say, if they want to come to Jesus... And be part of his family. Okay. But if not, I can't make them. That's their choice. Many Christians really enjoy his house and his family the way that it is. They'd be just fine as long as it didn't change too much. And there's many churches across our country. People are okay when they come in. They really don't want to see it change too much. They don't want to see it grow too much because, you know what, I like it the way that it is. I'm comfortable with the way that it is. I know these people. I feel kind of at home with them and and I feel good and my needs are met here. My needs are met here. Pastor, why would we want to mess this up? This is pretty good. I like what's happening. In fact, they secretly fear that the church will expand too much. Almost like a little child that's jealous of their newborn baby brother or sister being brought home from the hospital. There's some children, that, and that whenever they bring the little brother or sister home, they're like, hey, can we send this kid back? This, this is messing this up. So in reality, there's many church people who, they're offended. They won't come out and say it. But someone's sitting in their seat. Someone else is taking up the attention. Someone else is given an opportunity. Someone else is given gifts or toys. And so we lose sight of how sometimes we can really be selfish. 
Friend, the work you and I are involved in is an eternal work. We're not building a social club or a temporal organization. We are building the kingdom of God. We're involved in changing the eternal destination of multitudes, of generations. Men and women who are headed for an eternity separated from God in hell have been given a new eternal destination, heaven. It's an important work. It's a valuable work. What you're doing matters for eternity. And we need every single person to be engaged in the work of the kingdom. The third thing I want to point out to you is that God wants to give us the land. In Genesis 15, verse 18, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenanites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So God made this promise and he said, I'm giving you this land. This belongs to you. That's what he told Abram. There's boundaries that God has planned for his people. But then he made this other statement. He says that everywhere the sole of your foot touches, I'm going to give to you as yours. I believe that God has things that he already has in store for us as a church and for his body. But I believe that he's looking for some people who will expand his territory. I believe he's looking for some people who will believe him for something more. And they'll actually step out and start walking and taking possession of the land. Start moving forth. And as they do that, listen to what God says. Deuteronomy 12, 32. If you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, and to hold fast to Him. Then the Lord will drive out all those nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put terror and fear of you on the whole land wherever you go. Now, as we talk about God wants to expand his family, the word very clearly says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a place of repentance. That's God's will. His will is that the family continues to grow. That we not become extinct, that we not become something that's forgotten, but that his family continue to advance and move forward. I believe it's time to expand our territory. In our area, there are men and women who are spiritual orphans, and God wants to bring them into his family. There are those who are lost, who are forgotten, who feel that God has forsaken them, God's looking throughout the land. He hears the cry of men and women. He sees their need. And he's drawing men and women into his kingdom right now. It's his desire. It's his desire that men and women who are broken, who are forgotten, men and women who are successful and and feel that they don't need him, his desire is that men and women be brought into the kingdom. It's time to expand our borders through prayer, 
and identifying the borders of our new land. I want you to understand this. Through prayer, we take dominion of the area that God has given us, and we pray and we drive back the darkness. You realize that we are in a spiritual battle, that it's not just a choice. People are like, well, it's a choice. Friend, there are spiritual powers that hold men and women in bondage. They keep them trapped. They're slaves to sin. They're slaves to their addictions. They're slaves to the power of darkness. They're blinded by this world. They cannot see because the enemy is at work powerfully. We need to establish a land and say, this is the land that God has given to us. This is the area where God has said, this is your land. I'm giving it to you. I'm entrusting it to you. I'm giving you authority over this land. We establish boundaries of where God has said this belongs to you. And then he wants us to, through prayer, through intercession, to drive out, to drive back the darkness that holds men and women captive. As I said to you, there's certain things in my house. You don't come into my house and do certain things. You just don't do that. I just do not let people come into my house and do certain things. I can't control your house. But you don't come into my house, and I, I don't know who people think that. They just don't come into my house and do certain things. We don't allow it. When we understand that God has given us as the church, we're God's hands and feet in this land. You're his mouth. What are we? We're the body of Christ. We've been given divine authority and divine power to tear down strongholds. And so you've been placed in a position of authority. And so we establish those boundaries. And then we say, through intercession and prayer, through fasting, through declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, we drive back those powers of darkness. Well, where do they go? I don't care, but they're not in here. Do you understand that? They can't stay. They can't stay in the area that God has given to you. And so you drive back those powers of darkness, and then we invite the Spirit of God to move in our area. We invite the Spirit of God. We say that this is the border that God has given us. This is our spiritual responsibility. We're going to pray and intercede. We're going to drive back the darkness, and then we're going to call for God's favor and His blessing to come. So that men and women who are blind when they're in this area, that the Spirit of God moves in their heart. Recently, through a time of prayer, I asked the Lord to help me identify the boundaries for our church, for our new property. Last week, the surveyors were down on the property working, but I'm not talking about 13 acres of where they begin. But identifying the boundaries of the land that we should claim as ours. I was asking God, God, what have you given us as an inheritance? And Lord, help us to establish a border, a place of safety, a place where your spirit can move through intercession and prayer. And as I prayed, I felt this. I felt that 30 minutes is not too far for somebody to drive to church. We've got people who drive an hour and 15 minutes. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go out in teams to specific points along major roads to pray and anoint the road with oil. The purpose of our prayer is to push back the darkness and build a wall that restrains the darkness. Secondly, we'll establish the border of Lighthouse's new territory, setting up a perimeter for God to work within. Everything within that perimeter, we claim as belonging to God. 
we dedicate that as this is your land. God loves it whenever people take bold steps of faith. God responds. He likes it when you understand that you've been given authority. He'll back you up. If you step out, he'll back you up. We say this land does not belong to the drug pushers. This land does not belong to division. And this land does not belong to the powers of darkness. But this land, Lord, we dedicate this land to you. We invite you to have an open window over this area to move by your spirit. The third thing is we pray for God to reveal strongholds of darkness in that area. What's the ruling spirit of that region? Ask God to push those things back to the other side of the boundary. It's amazing whenever you go certain places. I don't know if people who are spiritually sensitive, you can sense and feel. You can feel either the peace or you can feel the darkness and the oppression. The fourth thing. When we identify those strongholds, we ask God what ministry we ought to do in opposite direction. And we ask him, Lord, whatever the stronghold is, we say, God, what righteous ministry would you desire to raise up? And then we pray, Lord, send in the workers and raise up the workers for the harvest. And then we ask God to call forth a Gideon's army of prayer warriors that will tear down the altars of Baal in our region. Remember that story? Gideon went out at night. He was afraid, but he went out at night. Sometimes people are afraid. We've established, as I was praying, we found specific points. Route 23 down towards Spring City. Route 23 to the intersection of Route 741 in Roarstown. Now, if you live outside of that, you can still come, okay? Because I know some of you do. Route 222 north up to Route 724 by Lowe's. Route 222 South to West Kendig Road, right at the Kendig Square Shopping Center. Route 897 North to the intersection of Hopeland Road in Kleinfeldersville, Middle Creek. Route 897 South, it ends at 30 in Gap. Route 322 East up to Route 72, the other side of the road on Route 72 up towards Lebanon. Route 322 West down to the intersection of Route 30 in Downingtown. Route 10 north up to Route 724. Route 10 south down below Parksburg to Highland Road. Route 41 south down to 372 at Atland. Route 176 north to 422 east at the Exeter Commons Shopping Center. We're also going to do something on an individual basis. We're going to do that as a church and you'll hear it more information about that. We're going to come together and we're going to pray as a church and we're going to go out and we're going to anoint the road. People might think you're crazy, but that's okay. We take steps of faith and then we're going to claim that as ours. And we're just going to believe that God by his spirit is going to drive back the darkness. There's a great harvest. There's a great harvest. There are people who are lost without Jesus and God's asking us. He's asking us to take bold steps for him. Now, you, people may say, well, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to question who do we think we are? I don't know about you, but I'm a servant of the Most High God. Amen. And that's who you are, too. Amen. You're a servant of the Most High God. You have been called. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. You have been given authority, and you have been given power. 
The word says that you are to take dominion from the very beginning. We were designed to be fruitful and multiply. From the very beginning, we were told to take dominion and rule over things. So in the spiritual realm, you know, when the righteous rule, everybody rejoices. So we're to rule over the darkness. We're to put down the darkness. We're to drive back the darkness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's one other thing that we're doing, and that is this. I'm going to ask you that today, before we leave, I'm going to ask you that you'll take a few moments. I'm asking everybody. If you're a visitor here, this is your first time. If you don't know Jesus, put your name down on here and we'll pray for you. Okay? If you do know Jesus, there's not too many people who I know who don't know somebody who is lost. Somebody who's far away from Jesus. Someone whose life is hurting and broken. And so I'm going to ask all of you, you list four individuals that are within driving distance of our church who are far from God. We're going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, who do you want me? Who do you want me to reach out to? Who is it that you, by your Holy Spirit, can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit's working. He's working. He's moving. He's stirring on somebody's heart. You may not be able to see it. You may not know it. But the Holy Spirit is working. And so you ask Him, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me who you're drawing right now. That person may seem so hard, but the Holy Spirit is drawing them right now. Just show me who I can reach out to, who I can pray for, who I can agree with you. This is not you coming up with stuff in your own. This is you asking God, God, where are you at work? He'll say, well, I'm working that nephew of yours. You can't see it. But he's being broken. I'm at work in that niece of yours. I'm at work at that young man that you work with. And I'm going to ask you to write down their names. And I'm going to make you a commitment. I'm going to intercede with you. I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray. The beautiful thing about being a part of a local church. We are going to. Our staff is going to pray for them. And we're not going to lay our hands on them and say bless them Lord. Okay? We're not going to lay our hands on them and say, Bless the Lord. We're going to pray specifically, Lord. And we're going to say the name. I'm going to ask the Lord to make you a soul winner. I'm going to ask Him to give you fruit and results for your prayers and intercession. And then we're going to name them by name. These people, if you're, we're praying for your son, We're going to stop and we're going to say your son's name before the Lord on a consistent, regular basis. And I'm going to ask you every day, every day for the next five weeks till Easter. When you get up in the morning, that'd be the first thing you do. Lord, save Billy. Lord, you know he's away from you. Thank you for that you're drawing him. Just begin to thank the Lord that he's drawing them to himself. We're going to ask you to invest time in them. And to ask you to invite them to come with you on Easter Sunday. Because we're going to give a salvation message and an opportunity for your loved one to respond to the gospel. And we're going to just believe this, that as we do that, that the Holy Spirit 
is going to be faithful to complete his work. And then I ask you to write your name so I can read it. We want to know your name because your name matters. We want to know your children's name. We want to be able to read, to write legible that we can call out their name to God and believe that God is going to be faithful and he's going to finish what he started, what he's doing in these last days. So as you have your paper, I'd encourage you to fill that out. We're going to pray. Father, I am so glad I had a mom and dad who prayed for me. I can't imagine people facing this world with all of its trials and troubles without the help of a Savior. Without the peace that comes from knowing you. And I'm asking you today that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring to mind the people who are friends are to pray, to fast, to invest in, who they're to bring before you, who you're working. Where are you working, Lord? Show us where you're working because we want to come into alignment with you. I thank you that you gave Frank a new beginning. I thank you gave RJ a new beginning. I thank you that you gave Doug a new beginning. All three of them were on the list, Lord. Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name, that from this very instant on, whenever the people write that name down, the hound of heaven will just begin to pursue those people. I pray that you would be so heavily on their life. I pray that you would weigh heavily on them. The word says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Overwhelm them with your grace and with your love, I pray. And Lord, we're going to believe you that within five weeks, we are going to see many of those on our list come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We'll give you glory, honor, praise, and thanks for it. God, we're believing you that this house is going to be full, that they'll be standing in line, that we'll have to do other services. Not because someone came from, some, they're mad somewhere else, but because the Holy Spirit has drawn them and invited them to be a part of the family of God. Now be glorified, I pray. I pray that the ministries that need to be established to counter the darkness, I pray that they'd be established The workers come in, Lord. Everything that is needed, I thank that you know, Lord. And we give you praise in Jesus.